Uh, if you're new to Jubilee or a visitor, see some visitors around. Uh, you are very welcome here this morning. Um, happy Easter, as Gavin said. Isn't it great? Um, if you've got a Bible, you might want to start turning to uh, Acts 2, Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, 1 to 12. Um, if you're a visitor here today, uh, we've just recently started a new series looking at the book, at a book in the Bible called Acts, chronicling, um, telling the story, if you like, of the phenomenal growth uh, of the early church as it exploded across uh, the known world at the time, just over 2,000 years ago. So we're going to be continuing that uh, this morning, and I'll explain why. We'll link it with Easter, don't worry. Um, and do you know what? Um, you might have been thinking when you've been reading this book, or if you've been going through this book with us, you might have been thinking, ah, um, oh, yes, uh, that was then though, wasn't it? 2,000 years ago. The glory days, the good old days. Uh, I wish church was as thrilling uh, and as exciting as that in our day. When you read the book of Acts, all sorts of stuff is happening. Um, we say, um, and, and, and really, what we're, what we're trying to do here, what we're trying to do here is discover, if you like, the secret of the glorious church, God's glorious church more and more. How is it that this church that started so many years ago um, was such an exciting place to be, an ex a place of healing, a place of new life, all sorts of things. And you know what? When I read the book of Acts, something that happened thousands of years ago, the one thing that God reminds me is that he hasn't changed. That God is the same God. And you know what? If that God is the same God, He's calling us here now, Jubilee, for this church, other churches across Teesside, to be as exciting and as thrilling and as miraculous and as healing and as compassionate as the church then. Are you praying like that? That's how I've been praying. As we, we've actually been reading the book of Acts as, uh, as a family of breakfast as well. And that's how we've been praying. That's how I've been praying through this book. And I know Dennis and the intercessory prayer group, you've been praying uh, like this too. The church of Acts actually is still thriving and booming and growing across the world. Listen, uh, listen, uh, listen to the facts about uh, uh, this Jesus is very alive church. There are now six times more Anglican Christians in Nigeria than the whole of the United States of America. There are um, more Presbyterian Christians in Ghana, where our friend Michael Akosha is, um, than the whole of America and Scotland put together. Amazing. Um, Korea has gone from 1% to 40% Christian in a hundred years. The same miraculous um, church booming is playing out in China to this very day as 20,000 new Christians come to faith every day. That's a few million a year. You don't hear that about that on the news at 10, do you? In fact, I think I just read this morning, J. John was complaining to the BBC about it. I also hear last week, here was an amazing morning, uh, too, as we baptized six, new, six people in front of lots of friends and family and guests. 
with the amazing message of Christianity that we've been singing about. Jesus brings new life. In fact, I also heard that two people became Christians that morning. Wow. Wonderful. And really, and really, that's what Easter, Easter is about. Newness, new beginnings in God, new hope, a newness centered around this pinnacle, climactic God-man, Jesus, whose life and death, and most importantly, his resurrection, that changed everything. That is the Easter story that Gavin started off with. And normally I would talk about Jesus' resurrection on uh, this, this Sunday. I have done that in the past. But what I felt God say this Sunday is to talk about something slightly different, actually. Hence we're looking at Acts. It's, um, and it's what we're going to be reading about later on. The Bible's account of the day when the whole of the Easter story, Jesus' life, his death, his, res- his resurrection, suddenly made sense. We call it Pentecost, actually when the true reality of Easter broke out everywhere. The day, if you like, Easter came alive and everybody saw it, not just a few. So let's look at it together, shall we? Let's look at Acts 2, 1 to 12. Acts 2, verses 1 to 12. I'll be putting it up on the screen as well. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly... A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with God the Holy Spirit and began to speak in each other's tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one had heard their language being spoken, a miracle. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Now how is it that each of us hears them in our own native languages? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, a whole load of people. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what on earth does this mean? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing, amazing day. Thank you, Lord, that Easter broke out on Pentecost. I thank you, Lord, that as your Holy Spirit was released on all people, suddenly things changed. History changed. Lives changed. Miracles came. People were healed. I thank you, Lord, that so many people were saved and brought into community. And we pray, Holy Spirit, as we unpack this this morning, that people will get a glimpse of the glory of your church, that you are growing and building and um, and, 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 and making, making alive the church on Teesside, this nation and the nations. Come Holy Spirit and touch us this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you've been ever-present. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll be with us for the rest of this and for this to make 
us recognize that you are living and alive and you want to be seen through each and every person here. I pray for visitors, people who don't know you, Lord. I pray that they get a glimpse of the glory of God this morning and be touched by your Holy Spirit too. Amen. Good question, really. Good question. What was the question? What does all this mean? Well, I'd like to think about Easter, really, in three ways. Three ways this morning. It's all about newness. Um, So firstly, Easter brought a new presence. That's what we see in this, what we've just read, a new experience of God. So we mentioned Pentecost, didn't we? So what was the day of Pentecost? Let me unpack that for you. Well, Pentecost, as we know it this day, as we know it um, this day that we've just read about, when the Spirit of Jesus was poured out, was, was when the Spirit of Jesus was poured out on thousands of people and miraculous stuff started happening and thousands became followers. That's what we've just read about. Um, thousands of people said, I want to trust Jesus on this d- amazing day. And, and that's Pentecost, if you like, as most churches would celebrate today. But what I didn't realize till relatively recently is that Pentecost was already something, a festival, a feast cel- celebration, before it became the Pentecost that we know it, as we know it. Um, see verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So what were they celebrating if the Pentecost as we know it hadn't happened yet? What was going on in their minds as they lived out these um, feast days, these celebration days together? Why was, that, why was what happened on this day so shocking to them? Well, Pentecost, or Shavuot as they uh, would have called it, was, was 50 days after the Passover. Anybody, anybody remember the Passover? You must remember the Passover. Passover and the story of Moses uh, as God um, passed over the Hebrew houses. You remember that? In Egypt as they marked their homes with the blood of a sacrificed lamb. God rescued them and miraculously, amazingly from the tyranny, tyranny and slavery of Pharaoh. Then if you remember, they were led out phenomenally by Moses two and a half million of them across the Red Sea as Moses waved his staff um, and, and parted and parted the seas. Um, and and, you, might rem- and you, might, you might also remember that 50 days later, after they'd got through the Red Sea, they ended up camped uh, at the bottom of Mount Sinai and Moses um, uh, goes up to the mountain, if you remember that story, and comes face to face with God as he gives them the Ten Commandments. We've all watched the Charlton Heston movie. Shavuot, Pentecost, these are the things that these guys were celebrating as they were coming into Jerusalem. That's what was in their minds uh, as these other miraculous events were going on around them, as we've just read. So this is how Exodus 19 describes what they were remembering. Uh, Exodus 19, Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. 
Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. That's what they were remembering. That's an amazing thing that happened. Why was it amazing? Well, it was amazing for lots of reasons, really. But one of those reasons, because when God is described as fire in the Bible, apart from describing his purity and his holiness and his beauty, it's also describing his inaccessibility. Don't play with fire. You can't go near him just as you are. You're not good enough. But Moses, on this day, way back, written in Exodus, chosen by God, did just that. An act of God's grace, actually. He was able to break all the rules, and the people then would have been God's gob- gobsmacked as they were camped down at the bottom of Mount Sinai. So at this Pentecost, just after Easter, remembering what's on their minds about Moses coming face to face with God, a miracle in itself. When they witnessed verse 2, what did it say? Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with God the Holy Spirit. They would have thought, wow, hey, this sounds familiar. The first Pentecost, one man goes up the mountain, uh, goes up to the fire. That was a big deal in itself. But the second Pentecost, the fire separated. Separated. You noticed that, didn't you? And meets all of them, fills them actually. Suddenly, the meeting place of God isn't on a in a distant distant wilderness somewhere. It isn't on top of a high high mountain. No, the meeting place of God becomes us. Wow. That's what Jesus was saying all along before his death, wasn't he? Again and again. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you as God, the Holy Spirit. What was he saying? He was saying, before I was with you, with a few of you, but now I will send the Spirit of myself, God the Holy Spirit, me, Jesus, in every way, so that I can be with everyone, everywhere, Every time, always. And you know what? That's true for us today. Easter Jubilee reminds us of that. If you're not a Christian here this morning, he's come to you too. Will you allow his love to fill you? Will you let him change your life forever, as Gavin said? As, um, as Jody said, Easter brings a new presence, a new love relationship with God, never witnessed before by so many people. The Spirit of Jesus empowering you to live a life of joy and adventure and belonging, a new presence. Secondly, Easter brings to us a new purpose. The other thing that the Jewish people would have remembered and celebrated uh, on this feast day, Shavuot, Pentecost, would have been God giving them the, the law, the Ten Commandments or, and more. Um, so what was all that about? Well, the law wasn't just about, and we can often think of it like this, The law wasn't just about a grumpy old God in the sky 
giving them a hard list of do it, do this, do that, do this, do that, boring, boring, boring. The law was much more precious to them. The law was God's way of communicating, relating to his people the things that pleased him, how to respond, if you like, to God's awesome love who had 50 days earlier rescued them, what we call a covenant, a binding promise like when two people get married. There were the very instructions shaping them into a holy, set-apart, unique nation, willing to be different. You see, that? you see, that's God's heart, isn't it? This holy God wants to be seen through his people, you and me. He wants us to be a shining light, piercing the surrounding darkness. And so these commandments, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, etc., etc. These weren't just ten warnings, they weren't just ten rules. No, actually, there were ten promises that God will make us holy and attractive from the inside out. That's his heart. If we're honest, we need that. We desperately need that, don't we? I do every single day. If I'm going to make a difference in the world, the difference needs to start in me. This ordinary man, ordinary men and women, need to be changed by an extraordinary God. Well, how on earth does God do that? Well, Peter, a man who himself was transformed by God before he was terrified of a little girl, saying, I don't know Jesus, who Jesus is, tells us later as he's preaching to thousands, he says, he says what, God, what God's plan was, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, hear and speak God's words of love to the world. Your young men will see visions. Your older men will see uh, dreams. God's miraculous life will come alive in you and around you. Even on my servants, both men and women, no one, uh, no one discounted. I will pour out my spirit on those, on those days. And they will prophesy, declare God's hope into a dark world. That's what Peter's explanation is. Why does God do all this? Why does he give us a spirit? Why does he change us? Why does he make us holy? So that we can run boring services every Sunday, live exclusive lives, wear sandals and white socks, and tut tut all the people around us? I don't think so. I don't mind the white socks, by the way. You see, some of us can live like that, can't we? But you know what? That is not God's plan. No, he wants to be seen through you and me. He wants his church to break out all over the place. He wants the story of Easter to change lives like it did on this day. In our workplaces, in our schools and universities and colleges, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our sexual integrity, in our thinking, in our attitudes, in our compassion to the poor and marginalized, in our diversity, in our life together, in Teesside, this nation and the nations. Just look around. Just look around. This isn't the work of just a good manual for life. It isn't just the fruit of a well-implemented DIY job. Simon is amazing, but he has a lot of help. This beautiful city... Simon's the doer, you see, in our team. Well, is it? actually, no, I'm the only not-doer in the team. But anyhow, this beautiful city on a hill 
that you see around you is God's making. He brings life to it. He changes things. He makes things happen. Jubilee, how is this God going to be seen through you and me? How is he going to do that? What ditches, if you remember Jeremy's talk, what ditches are you going to be digging for God so that when God's Holy Spirit comes, he will flood and bring fruit to the ditches you dig? I'm going to invite my friend, uh, Michael Mabry. Where is he? There he is. Give him a big whoop. I'm going to invite my friend, Michael Mabry, uh, who plays on our uh, Jubilee Church football team and who relatively recently gave his life to Christ, but I've oh, I spoiled it. Sorry. Um, and he's going to share how God made a difference in his life. He recently did Alpha. Listen to him. Good morning. My name's Michael. I'm 30 years old. I live in Gisborough, but I'm originally from Skelton. I was brought up in a non-church background by my mum and my gran. My mum and dad split before I was born, and also my mum's dad, dad, my granddad, suffered a heart attack and died two weeks before I arrived into the world. My family are atheists, so I didn't have any passage to God as a young lad. When I went to senior school, I found religious studies an absolute bore and hated going to it. I couldn't think of anything worse than learning about something that happened thousands of years ago and that I thought didn't affect me. So when the opportunity arose, when I could drop the subject in the last two years of school, I took it. When I finished school, I went to Longlands College and studied to become an electrician. In the second year, I finally got myself an apprenticeship. So at the age of 18, 19, I still had no connection with Jesus. I finished my apprenticeship and continued with my job. About two years later, at 21, I took up horse riding. Random, I know, but I really found myself doing something I never thought would be for me. But now I compete at a good level. I do what's called eventing. Anyone who doesn't know what that is, it consists of dressage, show jumping, and cross-country. A couple more years passed, and I started my own business, which I've now been doing for about seven years. So one day I was with my old friend at the gym, who I haven't seen for a while now, but he ironically rang me as I read this out for the first time at John Keeney's house when I was practicing it. Anyway, we were just talking and he was wanting to start up playing football. He asked me if if I would fancy going with him. He found the team advertising, looking for players, and I was really interested. Just there was one catch. It was a church team. So we went one Wednesday night, trained with the lads, and it was really good. I enjoyed it. The manager, Alan, at the end of the session, explained to us that to be part of the team, you either had to attend church church once a month or go to what's called the Footballers Bible Study. So a couple of weeks passed, and I went. There was a talk about a man named Jesus and all the miracles he had done. This really got me thinking, could it be possible he died for me? So I attended Alpha for the first time at Bramble's Farm, and the initial thing I can remember that night was the food was amazing. I did the full course, and I came out not being any further forward in my beliefs, but asking more questions about Jesus. I continued to play for the team and attended the Bible studies, still not changing the feeling as though I was sat on the fence. So one of the first times I found myself using prayer was at a competition in North Allerton. I lost my phone, and to me that was a disaster because everything, I, everything to do with work was on it. 
I couldn't find it and went home. When I got in, my mum said to me, right, we'll go back and look for it. So we went back. It was nine o'clock at night, pouring down with rain, and I just thought, there's no way I'm finding this. We walked half the cross-country course, maybe a mile or so. I said, please, God, if you're there, help me find my phone. We kept walking, and I said, if it's not the next fence, we're going. Lo and behold, there it was at the bottom of a ditch. I don't know how it survived. 30 half a ton horses not standing it. God helped me that day. Just over two years ago, in May, one of the closest people to me, my granddad Les, became very, very ill. He had gangrene in his foot. I found myself praying again for him. It deteriorated for around four to five months and died on the 15th of November 2015. This time, God didn't answer my prayers. It really shook me, but I believed he'd gone to a better place and pain-free. I did the Alpha course again that month to try and fill that void that had appeared through his death. I learned a lot more this time round, but I still wasn't sure about Christianity. So finally, June 2016, after a lot of being unsure, I took that step. I was stunned one night, lunging my horse. I remember it being a clear night. All the stars were shining and it was freezing. I said out loud, Lord, I'm ready to let you in. I don't know what made me say it. I just got that warm sensation in my body as though someone put their arms around me to hug me. I didn't tell anybody for a while. The first time I told anybody was just before playing football one Saturday morning. So since then, my life hasn't become any easier. Every day is still a massive challenge. But one thing that helps is I have Jesus' help. And he'll get me through every day and the hard times. December just gone, my family and I were part of a house fire and we were lucky to get out alive. Two minutes longer and I wouldn't have been here reading this to you. I thank God for surviving that night. My journey as a Christian has only recently begun and I have lots to learn. I feel like every day I become closer to God and that I have a real glow about me. So I thank God for bringing me to Christianity. Thank you. Brilliant, brilliant. And what you don't know is Michael now helps uh, manage and run the team, the Jubilee football team, along with Rob and John and others. Um, and, and actually, he's a real gift to that team. And he's a real gift to these guys who he too comes alongside and uh, brings compassion as well as the story of Jesus too. So, a new presence, a new purpose. And finally, quickly, a new people. Easter brings about a new people, a new community, a new harmony. There's another thread to this, famous, um, to this famous event that we've just read about. It's actually quite a complex day. Um, on top of the Moses story, this Pentecost will have also reminded the people of another ancient story with a twist again. In the early chapters of the Bible, in Genesis 10 and 11, there's a list of nations actually similar to the to all the people that I read out earlier as we read out uh, Acts 2 who witnessed this, pent- this amazing Pentecost. Um, and it tells a very famous story of what's called the Tower of Babel, where a group of nations unite in rebellion and opposition to God of the Bible. Despite his grace and his, per- uh, his provision and his mercy and his love, despite his sovereignty and his power, they gather this group of nations and say, come, let us build ourselves a city, not a city for God. 
with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we might be like him. So that we might make a name for ourselves, not God. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. That's what God's plan was all the time. This tower, this city was all about them. An attitude and life saying, God, you are, you are irrelevant. We can do this better without you. And you know what? This is the Bible's revolutionary diagnosis of this world's mess and disunity and disharmony. Wanting it to go, wanting to go it alone without God. Babel is all around us. Eventually, Babel became the very famous city Babylon, a dark city, a city of war and racial tension and lust and anger and jealousy of greed and lies and prostitution and breakdown and violence violence and injustice. Babel, Babylon, the world where you and I dwell. In Genesis 11, God eventually says, enough's enough. He says, come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from, uh, from there over all the earth, just as he planned to do, and they stopped building the city. Jubilee, whether we like it or not, God is in charge. It all begins and ends with him. That was the curse of Babel. And you know what? When you read it, it sounds a bit like what we've just read at the start, but with a massive twist. See verse 11. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native languages? Then he lists all the different nations, all the different people group, and he says, we, are, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask the question, what does this all mean? I'll tell you what it means. People, when they were there, would have thought, this is another amazing thing. They would have said, what's happened at Babel, God is reversing and totally turning around. Suddenly, as the Spirit of God breaks in, people who were once enemies, who once didn't care much for each other, who once might have been at war or conflict even with each other, suddenly begin to speak a common language, praising Jesus and declaring his joy news. The Easter story, a miracle. Later on in Acts, we see that this wasn't just a flash-in-the-pan event, actually, no. Um, a new people, a new community, God's church was birthed. Harmony was birthed. It says in Acts 2.42, they committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and prayers. All the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They worshipped daily in the temple, followed by meals at home. Every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People on the outside liked what they saw. That was good, wasn't it? Every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. Wow! Jubilee, that's what brings unity. That's what heals deep-seated divides. God's presence. That's what destroys hatred between races and cultures and people who see themselves differently. That's how the gospel cuts right through all those man-made barriers, towers, walls. God's spirit breaking out, not just in the church, 
but all over the place, out of the church too. That's what you are called to be, Jubilee. Tim Keller, a New York pastor, writes this, Christians have within their belief system the strongest possible resource for practicing sacrificial love, generosity, and peacemaking in the city. At the very heart of our view of reality, hear this, was a man who died for his enemies, praying for their forgiveness. Reflection on this can only lead to a radically different way of dealing with those who are different from us. A new presence, a new purpose, and a new people. If the band can come up, that would be good. If we all stand... Jubilee, God wants to be seen through you and me. If you're not a Christian here this morning, God wants to encounter you just like Moses did, just like the people on that day did. He wants to see you face to face. He wants to deposit, he wants to declare to you his love, his joy, and his purpose. Are you up for that this morning? We're going to sing a song, and as we're singing that song, if you're not a Christian here this morning, we've done this already, but, so I'm not going to labor it, but I'm going to give you another chance. This is the day that you could say yes to Jesus. This is the day, like last week, six people were baptized in our Alpha, lots of people putting their hands saying, I want to start a new life with Jesus. I know there are new people here this morning. If that's you as we're singing, as we're worshipping, why don't you just come to that side? I'll be over there. And I'd love to pray for you. And Jubilee, as we worship now, let's allow God the Holy Spirit to fill us and challenge us in the, in the mission that we have on Teesside, this nation and the nations. Let's stand. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord God. We love you. Thank you, Lord God, for Easter. Thank you, Lord God, for new life. And we pray, Holy Spirit, break out across this room. I pray, Holy Spirit, touch people this morning across this room. And I pray through each and every one of us, will you touch others with your love and compassion and miraculous healing and your joyful, um, joyful glory, Lord. We ask that in Jesus' name. Let's stand, let's worship, and I'll just be over there. A few people join me. We'd love to pray for you.